Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Hello boys and girls, welcome to Mashallah PTI with your hosts Aravind Srinivasan and Ravi Krishnan, your weekly uh, sports journey with these two desis. Uh, I'm Aravind and I got Ravi here with me. Happy New Year, Ravi. The football season is finally here. Oh, Happy New Year to you as well, Aravind. It's uh, by far the most uh, anticipated uh, week of sports uh, during the year as far as I'm concerned. Yes, the college football was a nice appetizer last week, and we are now ready for the real deal. Uh, NFL kicks off tomorrow. By the way, did you catch any of the college games last weekend? No, I mean, I'm not a big college football fan anyways, Arvind, other than trying to catch up to what our uh, alma mater, ASU, uh, does usually. But this time, I must admit that I've been even more lax. So, no, I am actually going to need to start afresh as far as college football is concerned. So, would love to hear from you on how things have transpired. Yeah, we can talk about that a little bit later. And yeah, it was an awesome weekend uh, and I, I, you have a long uh, time to catch up because the real fun starts with the conference matchups anyways. And of course, um, this is really exciting for football fans mostly because of NFL, but of course, fantasy is the real attraction, right? And last uh, week, we had our mock draft, and then most people probably have had their drafts already, even though Ravi and I, our uh, primary league is having draft at the last minute. It's tonight. Are you ready for that? Yeah, I'm actually really geeked about it. I'm not sure what, I'm, you know, what my strategy is going to be, but I'm, you know, as every year, uh, it is the league, it is the one league that I'm usually most uh, uh, awake about. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh, brutal in our league. Everybody is uh, freaking, everybody should be hosting a podcast, actually. So. <laughs> that is true. In fact, uh, as we go through this season, I don't think it would be uh, shocking to our uh, listeners to find us inviting a few of our other uh, SFFL league brethren to uh, come on to the podcast as guest analysts, or at least someone that acts as guest analyst, and we can then troll them once they've disappeared. Yeah, sure, we should do that. So, most leagues, however, are probably done with their drafts. Um, Ravi and I were talking about what would be a good fantasy topic for today, and Ravi had this idea that we should do lottery tickets. And what we mean by this is not just sleepers, but kind of deep sleepers. And the way we have defined it is as follows. These are folks who are drafted earliest in round 10 or mostly later. I'm talking about a 12-team league, typical 12-team uh, leagues. So these are folks who are uh, 10, round 10 or lower and who we think are going to be good value. And now by that, we don't mean they're going to, you know, start for you week in and week out and win you the Super Bowl in your league. That's not the idea. But these are guys who can definitely step in when required and surprise you and your uh, other owners and be in an adequate fill-in. If somebody is injured, of course, we have the bye weeks. And that's, that's really uh, what we mean when we say these are great values. These are, we are not expecting them to be 13-week starters for you, but at the same time, they can come in over a four- or five-week stretch and just be adequate to push you over the hump. And, and we thought we'd each give you three lottery tickets. And Ravi, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure, Arvind. And this was an exciting uh, project because it's very easy to come up with top five, top ten, even a consensus top hundred. But in order to really go deep and try to pick up three uh, lottery tickets, and especially in line with some of the rules that you've laid out, I think it was exciting, also slightly nerve-wracking. But yeah, I'm happy to go first. Go for it. Uh, my first lottery ticket potential candidate is... The New York Giants backup running back, Orleans Darkwa. 
Now, here's a guy that uh, actually started a few games last year when I forget exactly what happened, but it was either Rashad Jennings being injured or falling out of favor after a few fumbles. What I do know is that Orleans Darkwa was a much more preferred option uh, for the New York Giants think tank versus Andre Williams, who's basically the human brick wall. Uh, so, and Darkwa did a fair impression of being a starting running back in those, I think, two and a half games where he uh, averaged about 12 fantasy points. So if anything were to happen to Rashad Jennings, and he's not been the most durable guy in his career, I say Orleans Darkwa takes over as the starting running back for a New York Giants team whose defense will make the offense work a lot. But at the <laughs> same time, um, you know, given their... Uh, typical offensive system, I think the Giants are going to score a lot of points. So it will be a fun uh, offense to play for and one where anyone who's going to play as a starting running back has uh, you know, touchdown potential uh, in him. So Orleans Dark was my first lottery ticket pick. My second one is again a backup. In fact, he's currently listed fourth on the depth chart and he's the wide receiver for Minnesota named Laquan Treadwell. I'm surprised, actually, Arvind, that uh, in the midst of, it seems like an array of wide receivers, rookie wide receivers, who are being uh, uh, sought after in the drafts that are going on this year. Like, you know, you talk about uh, uh, Sterling Shepard and uh, Tajay Sharp and Michael Thomas. I'm somewhat surprised that Laquan Treadwell hasn't garnered as much hype. And to me, he may end up being the best among them all notwithstanding the fact that in his team, uh, the guys in front of him uh, are no Randy Mosses or Chris Carters anymore. It's basically Charles Johnson, Stefan Diggs, and I don't even know who the third wide receiver is. So to me, Laquan Treadwell has as good a chance as any of the other rookie wide receivers to shine. Uh, he's going to be in an offense that's going to be iffy, I admit. But we're talking about lottery tickets. We're talking about people that aren't going to get drafted or have not been drafted in uh, the first 10 rounds and to me Laquan Treadwell represents as much of a lottery ticket given those rules as any others. Yeah, I think uh, the talent is definitely there but like you mentioned it's the offensive uh, ineptitude for the lack of a better term with Minnesota that kind of pulls him down a bit I guess but with Sam Bradford going there I think uh, it will be interesting to see what happens to the passing game. Exactly, exactly. And I think uh, for what it's worth, and I know Sam Bradford is no Joe Montana either, and we'll talk about that in detail later on in the podcast. But to me, what he was able to get uh, in terms of returns uh, from uh, the St. Louis Rams receivers a couple of years ago makes me think that Laquan Treadwell may be at least as good, if not better, than some of that type that we got to see. Um which brings me to my last uh, lottery ticket, and this is one which you might laugh at me about, but this is New England Patriots tightened AJ Derby. Wow. Uh, you know, and he's an interesting guy. I mean, he used to be, I guess he came out of college as a quarterback, and he actually switched three colleges because the first two colleges didn't find him good enough as a QB, and he insisted on being a QB, so he basically switched a couple of uh, colleges ended up as a quarterback, didn't get drafted, joined the Patriots, and Belichick obviously asked him to convert to being a tight end. And he's been shining in um, preseason, both in the games as well as uh, some of the uh, scrimmages. I believe Derby has been one of the uh, uh, standouts. Uh, and uh, what uh, you know, why, why I think he might be a lottery ticket is purely born out of the fact that I feel Belichick knows a little bit more than any of the rest of the NFL does. He converted uh, a quarterback named Julian Edelman into a receiver, and Edelman is a pretty good one today. I think he could do the same with AJ Derby. And the second thing is opportunity. I think New England's the one team where the second Titan might have as much value as a wide receiver too in any of the other teams. And uh, if anything were to happen to Gronk or to Martellus Bennett, uh, all of a sudden you'll find AJ Derby as uh, a second tight end in two tight end sets for New England, which has a definite uh, tangible value. So those are my three lottery tickets for the year, Arvind. That's, that's deep knowledge, Ravi, with AJ Derby. That's uh, <laughs> definitely a deep sleeper if there ever was one. Good, good pick. Let's see 
what happens to that kid as the season rolls on. Um, my my uh, picks are as follows. The first one is not nearly as exciting as Sage Derby. I suppose <laughs> it's a very well-known name, Darren Sproles. Um, wow. Darren Sproles, as uh, most of our listeners probably know, has had a very successful career. And uh, his best years, some may think, are behind him. But what's happening is there's a new uh, coaching staff in uh, Philly, and I actually expect a lot of good things out of him. Now, he's kind of in the borderline of our definition of a lottery ticket. In most leagues, he's going exactly in the 10th round. In some leagues, he might even creep up into the 9th. But he's, uh, he's not going as high as he used to the last few years, right? Um, but he should be, is my point here. I think the new uh, offense wants to leverage some of his skills and kind of move people around and throw the ball a little bit more underneath and things like that. And I really expect a lot of good things from Sproles uh, this year. And since he is available in the 10th round, I think he's a great value at that point. The next one is the Houston receiver, uh, Will Fuller. He truly kind of fits in your uh, wheelhouse, Ravi, because I think in most uh, leagues, he's probably not even drafted. Uh, so I don't even know what his ADP is. But any offense obviously needs just more than one receiver, even if that receiver is DeAndre Hopkins. And with Brock Osweiler going to Houston, I think the offensive uh, firepower is kind of, uh, better than even last year, and they need more receivers to step up. So definitely keep an eye on this guy. My third pick is a Titan, Vance McDonald, uh, right here in the Bay Area, playing for the Niners. The attraction here is, again, a new offensive system under Chip Kelly. And in this case, it's it's um, I'm also counting on a fairly inept offense at least to begin the season with Blaine Gabbert at QB and whatnot. But at the same time, the offense has some level of uh, talent in Carlos Hyde, plus the coaching staff is supposed to be offensive geniuses and whatnot, right? So they need and they will, I think, move the ball somehow. And Vance McDonald, I'm expecting to play a part in that quote-unquote somehow. I think he's going to be part of a lot of check down throws, a lot of short, uh, you know, dump offs and things like that. And he may surprise you. Now, again, I don't think people should draft him as their first Titan, but if you're going to pick somebody like Antonio Gates, who is a little bit, you know, long in the tooth, as they say, and injury prone as well, you may want to back him up in later rounds with somebody like Vance McDonald and kind of, um, you know, hedge your uh, bets. Now, one of our ideas of doing this this late um, in the offseason is in a lot of your leagues, even if the draft is done, the people that Ravi mentioned and I'm mentioning here may still be actually available in your waiver wire. And if you want to tweak your roster and pick some of these guys up, uh, I guess uh, you have our uh, support for that. So that, those are my three. Yeah, absolutely. I love the Vance McDonald uh, pick, Arvind. In fact, he's one of those where I feel, uh, you know, the stars are aligning perfectly. Wherein I think he's been a fairly um, uh, talented guy, uh, just in the wrong system, in the wrong place up until now. Wherein he's with a Chip Kelly who made uh, Zach Erds, uh, you know, a top five tight end last right. year. Uh, also, as you said, uh, he has... The, the friendly confines of uh, Blaine Gabbert throwing to him, uh, which which should only mean good things for the check down pass. So <laughs> to me, yes, the Vance McDonald uh, pick uh, could be a master stroke, I feel. Cool, let's, uh, let's hope so. That, those are, uh, that's our fantasy bit for the week, I guess. Uh, good luck, everybody, with your uh, leagues. It should be kicking off in less than 48 hours. We can be more excited. Um, but we also wanted to talk some real football today. And one of the things we wanted to quickly go over are our kind of our projections for NFL itself I, in terms of division winners, who is going to make the Super Bowl, who is going to win the Super Bowl, and as well as uh, you know, who is going to be the MVP this year. Um, 
Are you ready to jump in, uh, Ravi? We should start with our favorite uh, NFC West, where our Cardinals play. Yes, let's do it. Who is going to win the NFC West? Um, let me frame that another way. I think both of us are probably going to pick the Cardinals, which is, uh, well, I, I don't know. You could surprise me. No, How? I won't. In fact, you know, uh, the combination of uh, true talent and our insanely religious bias makes <laughs> no other choice a good one other than the Cardinals. Okay, let me ask you this. How much of a threat... Uh, are the Seattle Seahawks. How scared are you of the Seahawks? Because let me tell you something. I am a little bit scared. Um, if you look at last year, right, I feel like they started off very shaky and they turned it around. In the longer run, I'm afraid it was a blessing in disguise because Russell Wilson is getting better every year and I feel like he really broke through last year because he was forced to. The defense was kind of shaky before... Cam Chancellor came back, and they were kind of forced to sling the ball around, and he did. I mean, that guy is a stud. I don't know if you like him, but that guy is an absolute stud. And I am a little scared that this year, from the beginning, they're going to put everything together. My only hope is they have quite a few guys on the defensive side who have gone. And these are not the top-of-the-line superstars, right? But they have lost some talent, and I'm hoping that will slow them down. Yeah, so Arvind, one thing really quickly about Russell Wilson. I admire the heck of the heck uh, on Russell Wilson. I mean, in fact, I, I've owned him now twice in the last two years. And so he's one of those guys who doesn't wow you, wow you with his fantasy stats, but obviously is a, uh, is a master tactician as far as real football is concerned. Yeah. But here, here's the reason why I am not as worried about the Seahawks this season. Actually, there are two reasons. One is... At least as far as the Cardinals are concerned, the one uh, irritant for them even during uh, the sad years when they would consistently lose to the Seahawks was Marshawn Lynch. Mm -hmm. Irrespective of situation, which field they were playing in, what the uh, weather conditions were, what the game scenario was, it always seemed like Lynch was the guy that was going to make something happen for the Seahawks and basically uh, screw the Cardinals in the ass. And basically, and that happened so consistently that it wasn't a, uh, you know, a, 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 a strange uh, occurrence at all. Mm -hmm. Now, Lynch is gone. Uh, Rawls and Christine Michael, just in terms of reputation, don't uh, uh, scare anyone as much. So to me, there is a little bit of that uh, disappearing halo from... Uh, Marshawn Lynch being gone, that I feel makes me feel good. I'm sure it makes the Cardinals feel good. The second thing is, I think uh, the Cardinals will be catching Seattle at exactly the time where their overwhelming strength this year will more than counter Seattle's biggest weakness, which happens to be their offensive line. Um, I don't know if you saw this. I was shocked to read Pro Football Focus ranking, you know, the different offensive lines for this year, and Seattle is ranked dead last. Mm. Uh, and the key stat there was that all five Seattle offensive linemen are projected to start at a different position than what they played last season. To me, that has a big bearing on the rest of the skills play. And to me, that's also something that typically can get uh, countered or that can typically get camouflaged by, say, Russell Wilson and his mercurial play against a lesser defense. Yeah. But I think the cards are coming into the season even stronger on D than they were last year. I think some of the additions like Chandler Jones and the rookie that they've drafted, whose name I'm just going to screw up now, Robert Kemdichi or someone, I think they are exactly the right antidote for an offensive lineman, an offensive line that's going to be leaky, such as the yeah, Seattle Seahawks. So to me, there is going to be a no-show as far as Seattle is concerned. Yeah, they're definitely improved on defense, uh, uh, the Cardinals have. Uh, I agree with you on that. But how concerned are you about Carson Palmer, right? So there are a couple of things going on. He's getting older. Uh, he's, uh, you know, there's always the threat of injury with him. And there's a lot of question mark around whether or not he recovers from that beating he took in Carolina in the playoffs. Uh, kind of like the Rich Gannon syndrome, right? Where he lost in the Super Bowl and he was never the same player after uh, 2002. Now... One interesting tidbit for you, I had another draft last week, nobody would touch him. I was shocked. Yeah. He, you know, 
I think even Jameis Winston was drafted above him. Tyrod Taylor was gone. Everybody was gone. Then I actually took him in the 11th round uh, because I think he's also coming off a bad preseason with a bunch of pick six and interceptions and things like that. So there's a lot of talent around him, and you could argue it's gotten better since last year uh, because David Johnson is um, much uh, more uh, of a developed player at this point. But any concerns there? Uh, big time concerns. In fact, uh, you know, the one aspect that makes me uh, slightly worried about the Cardinals or the one red flag, as I would say, it is Carson Palmer. I've never been the biggest Carson Palmer fan. I mean, I can't see any reason why the guy that, uh, you know, played horribly for the Oakland Raiders suddenly transformed into this top three quarterback playing for the Cardinals, other than to think that he's in the right system and is surrounded by, you know, talent at pretty much every other offensive skill position. And to me, against a really good defense like the Seattles and even the Rams of the world, uh, the Cardinals will end up having to win despite uh, Palmer uh, versus uh, because of him. And I think it happened a couple of times last season as well. But again, that kind of was uh, brushed aside just because of the euphoria of the Cardinals having won a lot. But I thought Carlson Palmer was pretty mediocre even last year. I see. So the net net basically looks like I am a little bit more scared about Seahawks than you are, and you are a little bit more scared of Carson Palmer than I am. But we are both sticking with Cardinals to win the NFC West. Is that fair? Yes, indeed. Okay, cool. Let's hope they make it happen this year. Um, how about? Let's do NFC North. This is probably the easiest division in the NFC, at least for me. That has to be the Packers, right? I think so. I mean, I mean, the the rest of the division seems so diluted, either due to lack of talent or due to unfortunate injuries. And yeah, there seems to be no threat as far as the Packers are concerned. Yeah, I'm uh, with you on that. Uh, the NFC South is interesting. There's defending NFC champions are uh, the Panthers and. The Saints, Falcons, and Bucks are all supposed to be better, but I don't know if they jump the Panthers. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Panthers. Yeah, I agree with you. And typically, I don't believe in this conceptual nonsense, but except for one, which is that I think that's a team which has developed a culture of winning or, you know, the pedigree of their players uh, thinking that they're going to win despite the situation. And it happened a few times last year as well, where the Panthers seemed like they had no business winning a game and they ended up winning. So so I think that should carry out uh, you know, to a reasonable extent this season as well, especially when you compare uh, them with some of their other uh, competitors in the, in the NFC South. I mean, you're talking about teams like the Falcons and the Buccaneers who seem to have forgotten how to win. Uh, and the Saints used to be good, but they are almost riding on the coattails of what they did six, seven years ago. Yeah. So while, while each one of them maybe may have improved incrementally, to me, the Panthers are the team to beat in that division. Yeah, I agree with that. And that brings us to the most fascinating division in uh, the NFC, I think, which I'm kind of uh, sad to say that because I don't want to hype the Cowboys and Cowboys-centric uh, NFL news any more than it's already is, but yes. I think NFC East is probably the most intriguing given especially Romo's injury and the fact that his backup is looks pretty exciting, Dak Prescott. So this division, I think, obviously Cowboys probably have the best defense. Uh, on offense, they have a few things going, including this rookie running back, um, um, Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know uh, with um, Romo's injury uh, what's going to happen. I I have a, I think the Redskins pull it off this year. What's your pick? You know, it has to be between the Cowboys and the Redskins for me as well. But it's not a case where I feel any of the four teams. Or actually, the Eagles probably going to be. The Eagles are probably going to suck real bad, but. As far as the other three teams are concerned, to me, there's going to be little to separate them. In fact, I am betting on whichever team ends up winning the division will probably go 8-8. Eight and eight. 
<laughs> you know, it's a crapshoot between maybe the Redskins and the Cowboys. While I don't see any reason why we should discount the Giants, yeah. all three are equally mediocre in my mind. I right. think the one thing that the Cowboys have going for them is the fact that this rookie quarterback and the running back, they both look really good. And the fact, again, goes going back to our conversation around Seattle, I think their offensive line remains as good as ever, if not better. And in some ways, the game is still won in the trenches. Yeah. Okay, so th- I agree with you. It's difficult to call. I think all four teams in, uh, probably are, uh, uh, think they have a shot. And Giants, Redskins, and Cowboys probably do. But I'm going to shade, roll the dice and shade towards the uh, Redskins. Uh, let them okay, one. Just to be different, I'll say the Cowboys. Then. Okay. Let's move on to the AFC. Uh, let's start with AFC West, where... Uh, our local team Raiders are getting a lot of love, but they're not quite getting the love, uh, enough love to win the division in most of the projections I have seen. I think people still like the Broncos for the defense. For me personally, there's just too much, too many question marks on the offensive side of the ball, even though one could argue that their offense, except for the name of Peyton Manning, was pretty bad uh, last year. Actually, somebody was saying, how much worse can it get? Because Peyton Manning was not the Peyton Manning that people assume when you hear the name. Uh, with all that said, I think I'm inclined to give the division to the Chiefs. What's your call on in AFC West? You know, actually, you stole my thunder there, Arvind, because I was going to say the same thing. That is, you know, here's the team in Denver that went almost the entire way last season carrying their quarterback with them. <laughs> Peyton Manning had statistically and uh, functionally, I think, one of the bottom five quarterback showings last season. And other and than the fact that Super his Bowl, brand right? name has been replaced by Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, whoever it is, uh, to me, nothing else separates the team that played last year versus the one that's playing this year. So to me, I don't understand why um, people are so down on the Broncos. Now, on top of it, in my mind, in in a little less obvious way, uh, they also seem to have developed that culture of winning. So to me, uh, if I were to put a dollar on uh, who between them and San Diego and Oakland, I would bet on winning the division. It would be the Broncos. To me, the one serious rival to them is going to be the Chiefs. Uh, but then Andy Reid is Andy Reid, and I pretty much think that him... He, other, in addition to Jeff Fisher, are two of the most overrated, worst coaches that the NFL has. And he'll find some way in the last two minutes of the game to blow things <laughs> up. So, to me, Denver is the pick there. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, you have a lot of friends. A lot of people are still picking the Broncos. But some people are down. I guess I'm one of them. So, let's see how it goes. But in either case, I think the Raiders probably make it as the wild card. Um that's yeah. the story on AFC West. Hey, Arvin. Yeah. And I know, I'm sorry that I'm going slightly off tangent, but just in preparation of this discussion around the Broncos and how they were, uh, you know, kind of equally bad last year as far as the quarterback position was concerned, I was just doing a quick check uh, statistically uh, and through QBR. In 2015, Peyton Manning was 29th in the league. And the only guys below him were Blaine Gabbert, Matt Hasselbeck, Johnny Menzel, and <laughs> Matt, Matt Cassell. Nice. So that should tell you something. Great company. So <laughs> hopefully Trevor, Trevor Simeon is higher than that. Exactly. So, um, AFC East, uh, again, uh, that's probably an easy call for me, Patriots. I, I agree, except that, uh, you know, unlike previous years, it feels like this year there should be uh, quite an interesting battle there. You know, not not uh, least of which is going to be due to Brady not being there for the first four weeks. I mean, I know the Patriots are going to be my pick as well. But I think that the Jets look interesting a little bit. I think the Bills are going to be feisty. And I'm somewhat intrigued by the Adam Gase-led... Uh, Dolphins team. Sure, I think they are intriguing, but I don't know if I'm entirely sold on Ryan Tannehill yet. Yes, I agree. I used to be a big fan of him at, uh, when he came out of college, but then I'm uh, losing faith finally. 
So uh, they do play the Patriots really well at home, though. I will give them that. It doesn't even matter who plays. They always seem to beat Patriots at home. Uh, but uh, other than that, I, I don't know if anybody's going to slow down Patriots. Um, we agree, I guess, on that to varying degrees. Absolutely. And Ryan Tannehill, again, is a perfect example of how critics or experts end up overrating arm strength because... Uh, I remember, was it last year or the year before when Mike Wallace was with the Dolphins and there was this uh, yeah. funny blooper video that uh, NFL.com actually had itself uh, put up on their website where Ryan Tannehill basically missed him on 20 throws in three games, each one of which flew over Mike Wallace's head. So it wasn't even as if he was underthrowing. He was basically blatantly overthrowing <laughs> at the time the, one of the fastest receivers in the league yeah. by about 10, 15 yards. Yeah. Uh, quarterbacks sometimes do that when they are, you know, kind of extra conservative and they are afraid to put the ball anywhere near the defender, who typically also happen to be near the receiver. So, you know, accuracy is, I guess, the most uh, underrated aspect of these quarterbacks. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, especially when they come into the league. Anyway, so AFC North. This one is probably the most intriguing. Uh, AFC uh, division because there's a Ravens who's actually lost like eight games by four points or less or something last year. There's some weird stat like that which would actually surprise a lot of people because people assumed Ravens were just horrible last year. Uh, and then you got the Bengals and Steelers. I don't think we should be talking about the Browns. Uh, <laughs> but uh, among the three, I see some love for all teams in some of the projections. Me, personally, uh, I'm a little bit surprised by Steelers getting all the love as opposed to the Bengals in a lot of these uh, calls. Uh, I, I still think it's a tight race, but Bengals probably win this division. So we are not disagreeing on too many things today, Arvind. I agree with you. I think Bengals are the team to beat. Uh, I'm also somewhat uh, curious to see the Steelers getting so much love. I think people uh, tend to uh, confuse uh, fantasy stats with real team performance. As and one of the one of the teams with which they do this is the Steelers, where you know obviously you have the names like Antonio Brown and. Uh, three-fourths of the season for Le'Veon Bell and then Roethlisberger. But as a team, I feel they have underperformed the last couple of years yeah. with these supposed studs in the team. And to me, nothing has changed this year versus prior years. Right. The, ba the Bengals, on the other hand, look like a well-oiled machine. And uh, yeah, and again, they, they know how to win, and I think they will win. Yeah, I agree with you on the Bengals. The, the I think one of the problems I have with the Steelers is obviously Roethlisberger's health. He gets injured a lot. But I also see why they are rated heights because their defense has been horrible the last couple of years. But I think they've spent 10 out of their uh, draft picks over the last two years uh, on defense. So they are expecting a improvement there. But I would still give it to the Bengals at this point. That brings us to AFC South. Another interesting um, division because you got a bunch of teams which all uh, the top teams Colts and Texans kind of took a step back last year uh, and Jaguars and Titans took a step forward but probably not enough so I see this being really close between the Colts and Texans I still don't like the Colts uh, offensive line despite uh, you know luck is back uh, but I don't think uh, the offensive line has solved all its problems. With all that said, I'm going to give it to the Colts uh, by a smidgen, as they say. You know, I'll go with you. I must say, this is basically the shit division in the uh, in the whole NFL. I mean, I, none of these four teams uh, inspire any confidence in me, especially the Colts after last season, where people assumed they were going to be world beaters and they ended up you know, completely underperforming. So the Colts, I think by default, will end up winning the division, but I don't think that's too much to ask uh, or too much uh, of an accomplishment when you have the Titans and the Jaguars and even the Texans. I mean, the cast 
the cast off from the Denver Broncos team ends up being their QB and that should inspire any optimism i think no so to me the colts are the team to beat as well great so that was a good discussion covering all of the divisions now on to the super bowl and the mvp of the nfl season i think when all is said and done we will finally get the dream qb matchup or maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part i think it's new england packers in the super bowl and the packers win it to get aaron rodgers his second super bowl and speaking of aaron rodgers i also pick him to win the nfl mvp um what are your picks okay so i'm going slightly homer homer here i think uh, my nfc representative to the super bowl is going to be the cardinals uh, obviously a couple of uh, things have to fall their way in order for that to happen one of which i'm really hoping is for uh, carolina and seattle to play each other in the playoffs and basically cannibalize each other or one of them beats the other so that the cards don't have to play both of them yeah uh, uh, but yeah i think the cards are fundamentally as sound as they've ever been in the bruce arians era i think uh, there is a lot of hunger a lot of embarrassment from the way the last two post seasons have ended and i think the cards year is this year i think they the window their window closes if they don't win it all this year so to me at the least i can expect from them is for them to reach the super bowl i think they will play new england uh and uh okay now is the th- now is the time where i figured that everything else can be prepared this i this i will do extempore and i think you know what i'm banking on the cards to win the super bowl this year um to me the mvp uh i'll agree with you i think aaron rodgers needs to cap uh what has been one of the truly great careers uh, for a quarterback and not to say that he's done in any way but i think he needs another mvp and i think this will be that year as a team though i see the cards winning it all beating the patriots in the super bowl cool yeah those are uh... Good picks, and I think we are close, except we have some uh, difference of opinion on how the playoff is going to play out. That's that's exciting. Let's let's get the season started. Um, that brings us pretty much to the tail end of the show, and the only thing to go is our uh, list of quick hits, the top five items uh, in our mind, and that's uh, affectionately called the Pucker Five. Uh, let me go first with my Pucker Five. Okay. um in in celebration of the upcoming football season fox sports has a funny ad where they say they want all the girlfriends and wives that uh, they're going to lose their husbands and boyfriends for the next 5 months either it was funny but probably unfortunately true in that you know uh, american men are just in absolute love with football be it college or pro especially the pro and fantasy uh, football and that's kicking off now and as a, a, a married man ravi you can probably relate to this i thought there was a funny <laughs> ad uh, uh, with with uh, them warning all the women that uh, you know keep an eye on your guys they're going to disappear for the next 5 months that's my first one the second one is uh, tony conheiser actually has a new podcast so if you're a fan of his which i am people should definitely check it out uh, as you can tell we are also kind of inspired by show with masala pti the name is kind of a play on uh, conheiser and michael wilborn's pardon the interruption show so we are big fans of tk around here and i was kind of excited to uh, hear about his new podcast that's my second pack of five the third one is basically uh, the college football really got it right this year with great matchups in week 1 usually the first two weeks are bunch of uh, you know ohio state versus northeastern arizona state or something like that this year due to a variety of reasons i think the matchups uh, were really good in week 1 the reason being there are a lot of neutral side games and obviously is a lot of money involved and they don't want bad matchups that's one of the reasons the other reason is we have a playoff now so people are less scared of losing that game and you know they feel they can still make it to the top 4 last but not the least i think the playoff committee has said that they will actually take 
strength of schedule into account. So it, it helps the teams to play with better teams, even if it means losing a game. So I thought the combination of those three factors made uh, college football really uh, uh, shine in week one. Of course, there's going to be a huge drop-off in week two, but then once the conference play starts, it's going to ramp up again. My fourth point is, despite all this hype and all the excitement, I feel like uh, the Thursday night matchup this year, for some reason, I'm not too excited. Obviously, America will tune in tomorrow for the season kickoff. I'll be there front and center watching uh, every minute of it. But maybe it's because you know of Peyton Manning not being there or whatever. This Denver-Carolina matchup just feels a little bit of a letdown for me. Uh, I, I think a Peyton Manning uh, uh, at his peak would have made this uh, an amazing matchup. But with the whole new quarterback situation and all that, it's uh, it's not as exciting, but eh, we'll watch it nonetheless. Um, my last point, of course, is that probably the top topic this all uh, preseason, which is basically Kaepernick. Um, I wrote a big piece on my blog uh, about this, uh, another shameless uh, plug, goodsinexports.blogspot.com. And um, I knew when I wrote it that this was still an evolving story. Uh, This was a week ago. Uh, Today, it is still an evolving story, but I'm pleasantly surprised by where this is going. Uh, I guess you can probably guess I am sympathetic to his cause a little bit. But I thought he just did not have the pedigree to go this route. Uh, I thought... He may just get caught, cast aside, and we will never hear about this story ever again. But on the contrary, he actually played decently in the last preseason game, which unfortunately matters. And then he has saved his job, and there's more people jumping in to join this thing, and it's becoming a movement. And he's saying the right things, he's talking intelligently about it, and he's really galvanizing people around this topic and raising awareness. Uh, even I did not know a lot of things about the national anthem itself, you know, all the references to slavery and whatnot. And I think it's really good that he's starting something peaceful, obviously. He's exercising his constitutional right and making a lot more of an impact than I initially expected. So kudos to him, and let's see where this ends up, uh, you know, taking him as well as the conversation. But I thought uh, this is turning out to be in his favor much more than I originally predicted. So those are my Pucka 5, Ravi. Really good Pucka 5s, Arvindan. I especially agree and like your last one around Kaepernick, which, by the way, happens to be my Pucka 5 topic for the day. And I'm in complete agreement with you. And I must admit, I'm one of those uh, shallow individuals who have gone 180 degree on Kaepernick from the time he initially did this to now, wherein, candidly speaking, as an instinctive reaction to when this news first came up, I thought, you know, here's a complete jackass who's made a clown of himself as a quarterback for the 49ers, and now he's doing silly things to kind of further supplement, uh, you know, his idiocy uh, with the team. And it's only after that, when I started digging digging into it a little bit more to really listen to him and see what he had to say, did the epiphany hit me that this guy is deeper than I ever gave him credit for. He truly believes in the cause that he says he believes in. And not just that, his representation of what he did may not even have been a, a wrong or inappropriate forum, which is exactly what I thought initially, which was that, Okay, fair enough, if he has these feelings or if he stands for something like this, why can't he find a less public and a more private forum to express his opinion? And to me, I have had a turnaround in that as well. Because to me, maybe this was the right forum because it puts certain issues up on a pedestal to be discussed, to be soapboxed. And we can see the results and ramifications of that wherein, you know, we had... Uh, the women's uh, soccer star Megan Rapinoe doing the same, and now yeah. I heard I heard Brandon Marshall has come out and said that uh, 
Kaepernick is a patriot. And even Obama, candidly, I think two days ago, said that he kind of sees where Kaepernick is coming from. So to me, yes. what, are, what other endorsement or testament does one need? Now, one can agree or disagree with his, with his point, but one shouldn't belittle what he's trying to do as being stupid or uh, flimsy and that's something right. which has been candidly a realization for myself as well yeah i think the the interesting point just to jump in here is uh, when the athletes don't do anything then we criticize them for that right exactly. oh, michael jordan never gets you know makes uh, uses his platform to say anything useful but then when somebody does like this we, we are also upset so i agree with you Absolutely. And just as it happens in positive scenarios where, you know, one could be a mediocre athlete on the field, but just because he's an overwhelmingly good guy off the field, we tend to uh, idolize someone. I think the flip side to it is like, you know, Kaepernick is a bad quarterback. He has not been good at all, but that shouldn't mean he's a bad guy. Uh, What he stands for uh, off the field is something one should really dissect in a very non-unbiased uh, agnostic manner and I think having done that I think I, I think more highly of him as a person than I think of him as a player Great. so my second uh, Pakka 5 topic is uh, Sam Bradford um, which and not Sam Bradford as an individual but uh, the trade that happened uh, last week between the Vikings and the Eagles where the Vikings basically gave up next year's uh, first round pick and a conditional fourth rounder in 2018 for Sam Bradford and I for the life of me cannot figure out what they were thinking. I know Rick Spielman has been known to be a a shrewd tactician uh, as a GM for the Vikings but I have absolutely no idea what he was smoking because Bradford to me represents the, the, the utmost middle of the mediocre middle that exists among quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I don't see how he is any more of a significant upgrade to Sean Hill, who they currently have. I don't see how he is much better than, you know, the Mike Glennons or the Josh McCowns or even a Chase Daniel uh, that could have been had. Uh, and to give up a first-round pick, I mean, it just blows my mind. And just as a point of comparison, a couple of years ago when uh, Chicago was trying desperately to offload uh, Brandon Marshall, they were trying to get a second-rounder and no one wanted to even give up a fifth for Brandon Marshall. And to see that uh, Sam Bradford was able to garner a first-round pick, I mean, I, I'm beyond shocked. Well, I, I tend to disagree there. I thought it was a good gamble by them. Now, Clearly a great trade for Philly, right? No question on that. Yeah. But, you know, these guys are pretty close in terms of being a true contender. You know, Adrian Peterson's clock is ticking. So I thought it's a worthwhile gamble. I honestly feel, I, I totally see the attraction towards the, the first-round picks in the NFL. But I think sometimes they are a little bit overrated. Uh, obviously, they don't, you know, I, I you know, I don't want to sound... Uh, the wrong way here, but I think it is worth in this situation, given their uh, scenario where you know they have an aging running back and they are a really good defense and good team. You know things change overnight in the NFL, and I think they needed somebody stable. And I, I thought it was a they overpaid for sure, but it's a good gamble. And. Yeah, I mean, and again, I think you, you and I have had this discussion offline as well. So I think this is one of those topics where we both are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Where I do kind of see your point is that I understand that they needed to uh, maximize their opportunity in the current window of availability for Adrian Peterson. But to me, whether that was Sam Bradford is the question. Uh, you know, Fair so enough. that's, that's yeah. where basically I think we, we differ. Now, Going from that to my third Paka 5, which also happens to be you know, football-related, but not real football, it's more a fantasy football uh, hype that's ongoing, is this whole uh, uh, draw around zero RB-based drafting. And just for the uninitiated, what it means is that in a fantasy football draft, typically, uh, as an owner, one tries to balance uh, some of the top picks between running backs and wide receivers, and in a few cases, a special tight end uh, or a quarterback. And there has been this growing uh, hype around the value of uh, going with a zero running back philosophy, wherein you basically stockpile a number of uh, 
wide receivers and quarterbacks up top and don't draft a running back until the 8th or the ninth round. And to me, that absolutely makes no sense. I mean, it almost feels like uh, the fantasy football expert community was bored, had decided that people were basically getting saturated with the information that was being provided. So they figured to cook up some stupid new logic and, uh, you know, showered this down everyone's throat that, you know, why don't you go with no running backs? And the hypocrisy there also is that the same guys who are advocating zero RB drafts end up picking a running back with the fifth or the sixth round pick, which basically does neither of the two goals. I mean, they don't get a top-shelf running back. They don't go zero running back either. They just end up with a mediocre backup running back for a bad team. So, to me, you know, just one of those things which I have a serious grief about. Um, my fourth Faka 5 is around uh, our hometown boy, Devin Booker, for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, he's been one of the few exciting, uh, you know, shining lights for what has been a pretty depressing last couple of seasons uh, for the Phoenix Suns server. Now, yeah. having said that, I'm a little worried now that the hype is getting too big. Uh, I saw an article where uh, Devin Booker has been penciled in as a surefire uh, candidate for the 2020 Olympics. Uh, Drake um, and uh, Jay-Z have been wearing Devin Booker jerseys. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, and he's been on, I guess, more cover pages than any other NBA star uh, for this forthcoming season, which is which was a shock to me, and I think yes, I mean you know all of that is good and and it's great, purely from a PR perspective for the team. Uh, I'm not sure if um, you know that's exactly what you want for a kid that's still kind of on his way up. I think has a lot to grow. His team has a lot to grow as well, so that makes me slightly nervous. Yeah, I see him all over the place too. Even though I have yeah. to say Drake wears all kinds of uh, jerseys all the time, but uh, yeah, Booker is. Uh, omnipresent right now yeah yeah and my last uh, tidbit on paka 5 is uh, around cricket and this is uh, this i mean this story really makes me laugh so we had a recent test cricket match between india and west indies which was called off so basically the the complete five day test match was cancelled due to rain now here's the interesting thing: it did not rain at all during the five days of the cricket match itself. Wow! It, it rained quite a lot on the day before the test match was going to start. It rained a little bit on the morning of day one of the test match, but that much rain resulted in such bad ground conditions, wherein you know the bowlers' run-up was completely wet, the outfield was completely flooded, so on and so forth. But in today's day and age, where people are able to dry out like, you know, uh, uh, three hours worth of rain in less than half an hour, it only speaks ill of the cricket administration at the Queen's Park Cricket Club in the West Indies, that you had a day and a half or a day and a quarter's worth of rain not being able to get dried out so as to eliminate, uh, you know, cricket happening at all for an entire five-day uh, duration. So that you know, frankly, uh, wow, was, you know, something that really shocked me. Uh, it is, I believe, the third shortest non-abandoned test ever. But the first two, I think, are, you know, I think one of them was cancelled due to a riot and the second one had something else uh, horribly wrong going for it. But something like this has never happened where there is no rain, but the test match gets cancelled due to rain. Wow, that's that's funny. That's a good list. Um, I guess that's a wrap. Uh Enjoy the NFL season, everybody, and same to you, Ravi, and I'll catch you at the draft tonight. And it's been a lot of fun, Arvind, and uh, as we've been saying for the past few episodes as well, as, I think as the football season picks up, uh, we'll be uh, coming in hopefully a lot more frequently, talking a lot more around fantasy football, and I look forward to doing that with you. Yeah, catch us at, uh, at Masala PTI, that's our Twitter handle. Hey.